ask her, are you with me or against me? Because you can go home next if you're against me. Well, I'm guessing she said, I'm with you, Russell. She said she's not with me. Wow. Was that what I said? I'm against you, Russell. That's exactly she what said, she said. I'm against you. I'm against you, Russell. Hi, I'm Madeline, and I'm a writer and a cultural critic. I'm Dave. I'm a comedian and actor. Welcome to Genre Reveal Party, where we talk about TV and movies through the lens of genre, its definition, its limits, and what we can learn by exploding them. Each episode, one of us chooses a TV show or movie to discuss with spoilers, because you don't need to have watched the thing to enjoy the podcast. We are rounding the home stretch of season two. We don't need another hero. And today we are talking about Survivor Season 20, Heroes versus Villains. And we have a guest, very funny comedian, and my sweet friend, Ariel Elias. Hello, Ariel. Hey. <laughs> uh, uh, so, okay, I, I chose not to introduce you as a viral comedian, but I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to ask you if you are flogging your viral moment the way that I do my coma, where it's, you know... Nine mm. years on at this point, no sign of of taking this out of the bio. Where where are you with your <laughs> your sort of viral moment? Yeah, that's a really good comparison, I guess. Except mine wasn't. <laughs> nobody was eulogizing me at any yeah, point. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's right. I think um, I'm gonna milk this for everything I can. That's and, the right and... way, man. The I have <laughs> guilt over it, but I think that is right. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It's like, you know, it's so hard to to break through any noise that when it happens, you shouldn't feel bad about it. And, um, you know, we're both like deserving of the opportunities that have come from this weird thing that happened. And I think it's fine. And until I don't know, like, look, I would love for it to just be a blip on a career but i'm not far enough away from it yet so if that's how people know me then like great please come to a show because you saw me chug a beer yeah you you there's a i would say the most viral comedian of 20 well no 2022 at this point right yeah it was a it was over a year ago (laughs) so someone basically you had a heckler throw a beer at your head at a show in new jersey and you chugged the beer and Mm -hmm. America went nuts. And uh, you are my example of someone who had the fucking full chops and like material and everything ready to go. To, it wasn't just like some goofy uh, one off video and then it's like someone <laughs> scrambling to put an act together. You were like, okay, <laughs> let's fucking do this. So thanks, man. Very glad to have you here. Ariana, Ariel and I bonded over. Uh, well, met a long time before this, but especially bonded over binging Survivor during quarantine. Okay. Um, I did 40 seasons in four months. Uh, oh, I just, wow. I feel like it's important to have, it, it, it felt like a, um, an advancement in the measurement of depression. You know, yeah. like we need to really be able to measure this stuff. And that's my contribution to medical science right there. Um, We had an aborted podcast about Survivor, a very different format than this. It was called It's a Fucking Stick. 
and after a classic Survivor moment. You can actually find those episodes in the feed of my other podcast, This Is Your Afterlife. I think they still hold up, man. I'm not don't want to guilt trip yeah. you too much, but I'm like, this is a pretty fucking good podcast, dude. Maybe one day we'll come back to it. Yeah. Madeline, had you ever watched Survivor before? What's I your relationship? Watched Survivor in the year 2000 or whatever. Okay, when everybody watched Survivor, yeah. I watched that one season and then I was like, okay, I understand what this is and I mo- moved on. But then I w- like went to college <laughs> and stuff like that too, you know. But um, <laughs> didn't have a TV, but I I was tapping into that um that initial kind of wave of like fascination, like what is going to happen to these people? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Um and it came back like pretty quickly. I would say two episodes in, I was I was fully fascinated again. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I was yeah. wondering if you enjoyed this process. <laughs> that is frequently the question. <laughs> With like Madeline assigns me and like holds her breath. I assign Madeline yes. and hold my breath. Yeah. And it usually I think it goes well. Usually. I assigned you Silkwood and you assigned me Survivor season twenty. <laughs> this is <hard>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm the populist, I guess, in this, in this dynamic. But yeah, I was You're... able to work with it for sure. It was it was a a pleasant assignment. It is fascinating. Like fascination is the right word. We will yeah. get into that. I think, especially with genre, for anyone who has somehow avoided exposure to this show since the year 2000 when it aired. Here's my quick summary: It is a reality TV game show. Players split into tribes to live off the land in a remote location. This time it was Samoa. And they're there in this season for 39 days. There are exceptions to all the things I'm about to describe, but I'm going to describe this season for for the purpose of simplicity. So tribes compete in physical and mental challenges for either rewards like food or a tarp for shelter or for immunity. So there are reward challenges and immunity challenges. And at the tribal stage, immunity forces the other tribe to attend tribal council where they have to vote off one of their tribe members. Then halfway through, the tribes merge into one, and this is the point at which it becomes an individual game because immunity only protects one player from being voted out at tribal council. Most players voted out after the merge form the game's jury, and once three people are left, there's a final tribal council where the remaining players plead their case to the jury, who then vote for which player should be considered the sole survivor and win the million-dollar prize. This is important to describe because very notably, one player challenges the format uh, of of this show <laughs> in the reunion. Uh, I, I might as well say it. I Ariel and I also, did you make it through all of season 19? I skipped the second to last episode of season 19 uh, where they vote off Shambo. But yes, I watched all of the others. Yeah. So... Season 19 and season 20 contain one of the most notorious villains of all time. One of the reasons I knew we had to do this show, Russell Hance. Uh, we will we will talk about Russell. I gave I gave Madeline a YouTube summary because I didn't want to assign two seasons of a TV show. I wasn't sure if they would like. But uh, th- okay, so in terms of why I chose it, I don't fully know why I love Survivor. 
Like I, I still, mm. there's something about it that I don't completely understand. And I think that is part of why I continued. It is like, it is like looking to the eyes of a lover and just knowing you'll never fully inhabit their entire inner life. And, and that's how you can spend the rest of your life together. You know, babe, you're such a romantic. <laughs> So, but it is, it, I, I love the show so much that my current one man show, it takes the structure of Survivor, is about my fascination with Survivor a little bit. It's called Here to Make Friends. And in that show, it is very important to me. The thing I do know about why I love Survivor is that it is not alone. The show alone, mm. do you have this, Ariel, where you'll tell someone you like Survivor and they're like, oh, I've been watching the show alone where people like skin a marmot and. Well, here's the thing. I love Alone Ugh, and I'm I am sure now I'm at a like point where I like Alone better. Like I like a new season of Alone more than I like a new season of Survivor. Hmm. <sighs> Unreal. Well, that's been the podcast. Uh, thanks for joining <laughs> us. <laughs> Uh, I just, to me, I just don't, the survival element is such a small, it's like the foundation on which like alliances and backstabbing and sabotage and betrayal happens, Mm. uh, that not the like primary, um, driver of my fascination, but there are many COVID overlaps with survivor people are isolated they're going through incredibly tough times they're hoping to rejoin society after they are playing for immunity Mm, there is a whole season called edge of extinction it's like it's it's too on the nose in some ways uh i found it during this period of like 2020 to 2021 that winter for me it felt like escape and, and like a social life in some ways, but it's also like, we'll talk about this. It's like vicarious, unpunished, bad behavior is like, what is really what I, it's like, it's really a channel for a lot of antisocial influences, which is why Russell Hance is especially interesting, but it's also not life or death. It's like just a game. So yeah. Yeah. I, is it unpunished though? True. True. uh, Unpunished in the way that you would be punished for this bad behavior in life. You know, you're not like going to jail or... or... Although multiple winners of Survivor have gone to jail. Yeah, well, I think, Madeline, you might have some stuff about that. I just just researched Russell. Yeah. Yeah. How's he doing? (laughs) Doesn't seem like he's doing that well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And, 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 you know, in terms of a genre, like it really is. So obviously we have the heroes and villains thing uh, and it is just such an odd combination of reality in general, mm-hmm. the genre, and we haven't done a, a reality thing. So that's my overview of survivor heroes versus villains. Let's chat. Yeah, season 20 is Heroes versus Villains. And when I first watched it, I was like so on the hero side. And this time, and I think it's because I watched it during COVID where we just so badly needed a hero. Hmm. Um, And now rewatching it this time, which I will say I messed up because I misread the email and thought um, 
thought I was watching. I thought we were like sort of doing more of season 19. And then the day before when I was like texting you, Dave, about season 20 and you were like, you know, we're doing season 20. Right. And I was like, oh, so I watched all of season 20 in 24 hours, um, which broke my brain so badly. And then we postpone the recording and you're just like, like a survivor marooned in society. Like what's (laughs) happening? But then I got to go back and finish season 19. Um, But on the rewatch of Heroes versus Villains, I was like, yeah, the villains are so much more fun. I love the villains so much more on the rewatch. I'm surprised Um, you liked the heroes the first time as much as you did. I think, you know, I had loved Rupert when he was on his season. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's, I think it was just, I liked their personalities as like, you know, as heroes, but rewatching it, I was able to see like, no, the villains are so much more fun and they're so much better at this than the heroes. The heroes are idiots. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, I it says something. About that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, well, Madeline. I, I would. I just didn't yeah, have any away. context. I did watch yeah. that weird, like, seemingly AI generated like synopsis that <laughs> sent me, and <laughs> I felt unwell and and really <laughs> worried about dipping into season twenty. But it took me a couple of episodes to really get to a point where I just stopped caring about the categories. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. and I was wondering with context. With like you know having a history with each of these um, contestants, like did you actually feel like there was a clear distinction between the heroes and the villains, or like what makes a hero and what makes a villain in Survivor? You know, it's a okay. great question. I'm glad you asked because I actually like attempted to like based on things people were saying, and I also mm-hmm. didn't say in the summary that like the structure of the season is there are ten people who are the most beloved uh, survivors. They're called heroes. Ten of the most notorious hated ones. Well, there are like eight of of the most beloved and then two who are clearly alternates to contestants who said no. Sure. Wait. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm curious what, who are those two? For sure. Candace. Mm, There's no way. Candace was not, a standout at all. And in her original season, which is Cook Islands, which Madeline was the race wars season. Yes. Oh boy. Oh wow. Uh she flipped on her, you know, she okay. she she like you know, whatever, like I don't, I don't want to say committed treason, but like she <laughs> she turned on whoever. So and she wasn't like that pop, like she was fine. Right. She right. didn't really do anything that exciting. So yeah. Candace, I don't think, was initially supposed to be a hero. But that's the only one uh, you there's not another one you can I'm trying about. to remember to me it was, was odd that Sari was a hero and not a villain. I think it's interesting, but Sari is so beloved. But mm. the villains are beloved too. But it's very so you're right. You're so right. my attempt to Sari should have been a villain. You're right. To to me, the interesting thing about this season from the jump is the preservation versus degradation of these categories like from the beginning they start to erode and blur but throughout Mm -hmm. the season i started to be like okay what's a survivor definition based on confessionals based on final tribal of like how these people see hero versus villain so hero i've got loyal true to their word likable slash popular within the tribe 
Mm-hmm. Um, they also need a villain. So yeah, I, I mean, like they the the show pits them against specific people in the challenges sometimes, and their targets in terms of voting people out are far from them. They are not. Whereas, so villain, their targets mm-hmm. are their closest allies sometimes. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Uh, they are Rupert describing Candace after she flipped in the Heroes Tribe. Uh, I think after the merge, describing her as self-centered, greedy, and manipulative. So whether that's true or not, that's the perception of villains. They are two-faced, they are unlikable slash unpopular, and they are especially secretive. So I think those are the – because it's because you have to use – and even in making this show, the producers didn't think these roles were going to hold up. They were just like, this is a nice organizing principle. Mm-hmm. So it's it's very it is very interesting. And like so had they ever one of done the, something like this before, like with other kinds of archetypes? I don't think so. Archetypes before because they because I mean, very, besides I mean, they they did do race wars. <laughs> right. Right. Which um, was which was Asian tribe, black tribe, white tribe, Latino, Latino tribe. tribe. What, what year was this? <laughs> it's not way later than it should have been. It was before we realized that it was bad to be racist. So you know, 2005, <laughs> maybe. You know? I mean, one thing I always loved about Parvati, who is also in the race war season initially, is she immediately in one of her first confessionals calls it out and is like, I mean, are we really doing this? (laughs) But what's ironic is that's one of the most diverse survivor seasons. So that's the fascination of the show, I think. It was them trying to address the diversity issues in the way that only Mark Burnett could at the time. (laughs) But then Um, they do... They had also done like old Blue versus collar. young. Oh, they did okay. old versus young. When That's where Cerise from. It was the old women, young women, old men, young men. Oh, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. So they and, and I remember like the old the old women. There was a woman who was like, I'm like 34. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, TV gosh. old. Yeah. Okay. They did brains versus brawn versus beauty. But I don't think but, they had done that yet. I don't think they'd done it yet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And they'd had all-star seasons, had returning players. Right. But, the okay, so it, it, Rob Boston. Oh, and fans versus favorites. Sorry. Fans mm. versus favorites. That's right. They That's had done right. that. So Boston Rob is my favorite survivor of all time. And he immediately becomes the hero of the villain's tribe. Like he is, he's able to make fire without Flint, which is still like an impressive thing on that show. He's able to like, they, they win a bunch of challenges while he's still there. The minute he's voted out by led by Russell, they start losing everything. So it's hard not to see like him as, uh, a hero of that tribe. And then also JT on the heroes is immediately like making uh, alliances with everyone the way that Russell kind of does in season mm-hmm. 19. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so, so immediately we're seeing these, these roles uh, get, mm-hmm. get blurred, I think. Yeah. We're going based on how they had acted in their previous seasons. Right. With the, I think one of the, my favorite things about survivor 
is like, so I have this theory that every person who wins is deserving of the win. Um, but because it means that like who you play with and, and how you are able to read them dictates how you should play your game. So each season, if you have returning players, they will play differently with different people right like so rob in a previous season was more of a villain because he was playing with different people and in this season compared to who he's around and also what he sees his role as he becomes more of a hero it's one of the things that i disrespect so much with russell is he and i will say to be fair he played his seasons back to back so he did not know when he came back to play heroes versus villains he did not know that he had lost his previous season yet he thought he had won oh wow because he had made it to the finals but didn't know the results so i will say that for him but he plays exactly the same way in both seasons. He does, he never adjusts his play for who he's playing with. And that's why I, that's part, that's part of why I don't respect him at all. I, and I, yeah. to, to be clear, my, I am fascinated by Russell. I find him very entertaining in a very naughty way. I don't think that a guy who is a pre existing, at least, the sh- as the show claims, a millionaire oil company owner is someone I would ever like <laughs> enjoy being around in life. But I'm like, th- he's so unapologetically who he is that I'm just like, I'm in awe a little bit of what he does. Yeah, but- it's pretty clear why he was cast. Um- yeah, yeah. Yeah, while this, so one of the things I found out was that while the show was being aired, while season 20 was being aired, he got arrested for assaulting a woman at a party in Lafayette, Louisiana, where he also like owns some business, some businesses too. So where I will be May 4th, come see me. (laughs) Everyone but Russell, come see Ariel. (laughs) But Um, that's not surprising to me. Yeah, there were a bunch of points where, yeah, he has he has violent eyes. I don't know how else to say. <laughs> no. You just know he's gonna fuck with you. Like if he had a beer, <laughs> access to alcohol on the island, like there would be violence, right? I don't know. Yeah, I mean the way he talks about women is oh, disgusting, yeah. right? Like yeah. I think there are a lot of players who are who play up the villain role you know like who who really fall into that because they think it'll get them more screen time or it's just fun like johnny fair play but i think with russell i think he's i think that's real i think he sees women as dumbasses, and like mm-hmm. anytime a woman does anything remotely aggressive i think he sees her as a bitch mm-hmm. so it's like i don't think that that is just him that's it's it's why it's not fun for me to watch him like i I, I understand like the antics are fun, right? Like the yeah. he's it's very impressive the way he can always find an immunity idol. He did change the game in that way. He is super unapologetic, but I think that's who he is. Right. I don't think he's playing a character. You know, like I don't think Sandra like at home wreaks havoc and creates chaos and pits people against each other. Right. Yeah. But she knows how to do that for the game. I don't think Sari is manipulating people constantly in real life. Um, it, it's it's just this thing with with I don't know. I also I like 
you mentioned his eyes, Madeline. Like I, it is such a red flag. I think that somebody has millions of dollars and a missing tooth. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know he was a millionaire, but that also makes sense. And the entitlement, you know, that he seems to have carries with him. I don't know. Do you remember like when his wife comes to who also divorced him? Mm. Right. Good. And then he's upset that he isn't chosen to like go and have food. Do you remember right. what he says to her? No. What does he say to her? He's like, it's not like, oh, I'm, I'll miss you, or like, he just says, I'm gonna get her, or something like that. Like, it's about like, it's he's still, he's so in the game that he just tells her that, and she's like, yeah. And so immediately, I was like, are they still married? No. Yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, Apparently, like shortly after this, they got divorced. Hmm. But I mean, that is such a good point, Ariel, and it makes me feel like horrible that I'm so entertained by him. <laughs> but I th- and I think what's also interesting is that he almost exclusively seeks out women to be his primary right. alliance members, mm-hmm. which is also how he sees the game because he thinks it is about dominating. Uh, weaker weaker minds mm-hmm. uh you know in in season 19 he calls these blondes his dumbass girl alliance oh, and God. it's like and and i think and he sees even like parvati and danielle that way mm-hmm. and and it shows in their final tribal Because in all of season 19, there had never been a moment like that reward challenge when Russell is talking to Parvati and he's like, just ride my coattails and you got this. And she's like, oh, I don't ride coattails. And you see him be like, well, you, but you can with me, just do it, you know? And you're like, oh, he's never been challenged in this way. Anytime someone uses his own logic against him, you'll Mm -hmm. see him like stomp around the camp. In certain episodes. He's really vulnerable, Dave. Yes. Maybe that's what you're interested in. That's, yeah. Mm. I relate to him as a vulnerable, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't saying <laughs> you related to him. You took it there. <laughs> well, okay. The thing I do, the thing I do relate to about Russell is, you know, he doesn't like when other people use his exact same logic for why they made moves. Mm. And I find the idea of someone who can dish it out and can't take it deeply relatable. I'm like, like, I think a lot of people feel that way. Like, you know, like we all can dish it out and not take it on some level, you know? Dave, you're the sweetest. (laughs) I just, yeah, I I find that. And and then in Final Tribal, when Parvati says, I kept Russell as my pet the whole time. Mm -hmm. It's like his brain is exploding. He's like, he thinks he's like, I used Parvati. She kept me safe this whole time because people, well, so we also did a couple episodes ago, uh, Jennifer's body, Ariel, which I don't know if you've seen it, but like Mm -hmm. the way everyone talks about Parvati, it is as if she is Megan Fox in Jennifer's body. The way they're just (laughs) like, her, her feminine why she's going to hypnotize all of us and destroy us sexually you know and you know parvati is is like my one of my favorites her and Suri are my two favorite players yeah. Yeah. nice yeah nice and now is apparently dating may martin may martin i know i saw that cool. it's 
Great. And so Madeline Parvati used to be married to John from season 19. I read all about this okay. before this. Okay. Great. <laughs> because yeah. I found out about her dating Mae Martin and, and I immediately texted Dave and you're like, I think really delighted that I was writing to you about Survivor. But then oh, you figured yeah. Out, oh, it's actually just about like, you know, gossip. <laughs> Queer com- comedy dating. Gossip, yeah. Yeah. I was excited. But then I was also watching, like, really? Like, she's dating Mae Martin? I'm so confused. <laughs> I don't know. It was well, a weird I think she's way of grown up. I, I mean, we're seeing her at, like, a different time in her life. At this point, she's, like, a mother, you know, all this different stuff. But she does seem to think about this idea of being a villain, I mean, she she's actually marketized that, right? Like yeah. she has mm-hmm. these like villain um, retreats and things like that that she hosts. I was really? really interested in that because at no point did I think she's a villain. She to me, I find her very likable. She's really smart. Like, what about her as villainous? I don't get it. So okay, she's a woman. So- that was one of the ones that really stumped me. I look at Russell. I'm like obviously you're a villain i look at candace and i'm she just looks like quote unquote heroic right yeah. or like a good girl uh, i don't know but parvati why wasn't she a hero i don't get you have to i'm this. i'm so happy to fill you in on this yes good. so again this is a great example of how somebody played very differently with a different group of people so parvati uh was the last season that she had been in was fans versus favorites and parvati managed to create alliances everywhere and uh played very she she turned on her alliance earlier uh to to get further in the game when she didn't have the numbers and she created what became known as uh the black widows or the widow brigade um because they they did not have the numbers it was her Sari, Amanda, who are all in Heroes versus Villains, mm-hmm. and uh, and and another player named Natalie, who created this alliance where they were able to pick off men one by one <laughs> to the point where, uh, in the final five, the one man remaining had individual immunity. He had one immunity, and Parvati, Natalie. Sari and sort of Amanda, but not really Amanda, convinced him to give up his his individual <laughs> immunity to Natalie. Oh my God, that's amazing. They they lied constantly and told him that it would look really good with the jury if he made that move, uh, and he believed them. And that's worked in other seasons where someone has sacrificed ind- their individual immunity necklace to protect someone. Yes, but not to the point where. He was clearly going home if he did not win immunity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then gave up the immunity. So and then they immediately voted him out. Yes. And Parvati also then would later, you know, when it was the final three, it was her, Amanda, and Sari. And basically, she they instead of doing a final three, they did a final two, and Parvati turned on Sari and brought Amanda. 
so that's why Par- Parvati is like a schemer. Yeah. She also, in her right. original season, Race Wars, uh, she was incredibly flirtatious to keep herself there. I think I think anytime a woman like uses her femininity uh, or her sexuality, people will just automatically label her label label her like femme fatale and she is, you know, yeah. And so she's a villain and just by virtue of using that tool that she has in the same way that a man might use his biceps. Yeah. She she sounds like a hero to me. That's all. I love her. I'm obsessed <laughs> with her. Totally. I, I I mean, I and I think she just like she doesn't even do it with other people, but in her confessionals, she'll just have this kind of winking, which is also a very charming. I think it's yeah. To to me, it's one of the weaknesses of the current show is that charm gets penalized like a motherfucker now. Like, charming people used to, like, I agree with you, Ariel, that technically everyone who deserves to win wins, but I don't think everyone who would be the most entertaining and satisfying winner wins. Mm -hmm. And that's my issue is it's like, so I actually was curious. I'm, I have a theory that Sandra might be, who wins this season, Mm -hmm. might be the nirvana of survivor in terms of like changing the game, huge, uh, you know, impact to the first two time winner. And then every band after Nirvana trying to do Nirvana just Mm. gets worse and worse and sludgier. Mm. And that's how we get like Creed and and all, and all the like, (laughs) I almost like feel bad hating on Nickelback or whatever. It's like, it's such an obvious target, but that's how we get that stuff. Right. And so it's like, I think, and I think Sandra, her whole thing is anyone but me. She's like, I will, I will, I just want to stay. I will be a number for you, which is why she gets less of an edit until the final few episodes, Mm -hmm. because it's not seen as, as dynamic narratively, I guess. To me, her most dynamic thing is that she goes along on a gameplay level, but her attitude is so funny and so rude like she's somehow so so rude but not rude to the point of ever needing to be voted out like when russell's like you're either with me or against me and she goes i'm against against you you, russell Russell. (laughs) (laughs) but like but so yes her influence though Mm -hmm. and maybe it's a combo of her and russell but her influence now is that in the especially in the last like post uh covid stoppage seasons it's a lot of like shrinking seemingly shrinking violet people anyone mm-hmm. who doesn't talk is seen as a secret mastermind so they get all these votes with the jury and i feel like that might be sandra's influence a little bit huh. hmm. okay interesting is it okay did she cross the line when she threw russell's hat in the fire no, loved it loved it <laughs> Um, I mean, maybe. (laughs) I mean, this is what I'm talking about. Unpunished. Yeah, I didn't. I honestly, I didn't love it. Um, I love that shit. You love that shit. I'm just like, what the hell? Someone's like just throwing someone's like main. This is so clearly a crutch for this balding man. One of his most obvious weaknesses. 
and and she's just like burning his hat after he in season 19 threw one of his own alliance members socks in the fire which is a way worse thing but she didn't know that she didn't know know that that. no 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 but like it's just amazing i know it's like it's hard for me to feel bad (sighs) yeah i kind of struggled with it i was like because it was the last day Mm -hmm. i felt it Maybe it was kind of okay, but I don't know. And that was an interesting moment because Parvati didn't seem to know how to react. Right? <laughs> yeah. I yes. Yeah. I don't love like destruction of other people's things. I think that's yeah. a, a a a red flag for a lot of people. But yes, I do think there's a big difference between what she did and what Russell did in season 19. For one, she did it on the last day, which mm-hmm. yes. That means, you know, she says, like, it might have been part of it smelled awful, but she's like, I mean, they all smell awful at that point. All her confessionals is like, Russell, you got to wash your ass. It is crazy. It's like, did he not bathe in season 20? He must not have. Or was he just so much worse off to begin with physically because Mm. he had already just played? And did not have time to recover. Um, But she says she thinks that that is part of why he was not on his game at tribal council is because the hat was, you know, part of his essence ever. Um, Whereas in season 19, where he throws Jason's sock in the fire and burns it, it's like, well, you're physically debilitating this person from day one. Who is on your team from day one? Yes, he does it day one. There's also a thing that I really hate in season 19 um, is he lies about being in Hurricane Katrina uh, (laughs) and his dog dying, which he never had a dog. For me, that I immediately knew he was lying. I lived in New Orleans, not during Katrina. I came two years later. But he, when he's telling the story, he's like, it was a Category 5 when it hit. And anybody in New Orleans knows it was not a Category 5 when it hit. It was a Category 3 when it hit. It had been a Category 5. And then, you know, it wasn't the hurricane itself. It was the levees breaking, whatever. But... From so like from the jump, I was like, oh, you are willing to lie about the worst things. Yeah. Like you're taking it's I think it's one thing to exploit your own tragedy, like Dave and I have done uh in our <laughs> careers. I think and we'll continue to do and we'll continue to do every day. I think it's a different thing when you're exploiting somebody else's tragedy. Oh, hundred oh, yeah. percent. Yeah. I do think, yeah, that's crossing a line. Um I don't know. I just really struggled with that hat moment because <laughs> I really felt he deserved it. I, w- I was like that. It seemed like really ugly behavior. Yeah. To throw it in. You know, yeah, I, I, didn't, of I didn't like that. Um, it made me feel icky inside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then I was also like, yes, that hat's burning. Yeah. <laughs> it felt very conflicting. This and is the like thing of Survivor. You at the yeah. end, you're like, oh, anything to get him. Yeah, yeah, Survivor takes good people and turns them bad. Yes. That's who is whose argument is that the uh oh maybe you know what it is is sugar in her uh like quarantine questionnaire sugar. kept okay. kept talking about that. I got I got no love for sugar. Are you I, don't, I do. Fan, sweet, you do sweet sweet sugar. She's no going th- she's always going through it. To me, sugar is an interesting case of like what are your personal definitions of a villain and the mm-hmm. two that aren't covered by the game to me are annoying 
which is why Sugar is a villain to me because I think she's annoying. I'm not it's saying weird. This is she's fair. the other one. She's the other one where it's weird. She was on the Heroes Tribe. Yeah, true, okay. true, true. And then not self aware, which is Coach's big flaw. He's just like <laughs> he he thinks he and he thinks he's so self aware. And to me, there's almost like. Nothing worse as a human being than not being self-aware. Those are the people when I can't even like look that person in the eye socially because they're so, they think it's, it's such a high value of mine that to the point of being crippled, you know, I like walk through the world, not, uh, changing things about myself to like, to, to not seem to, to, to seem self-aware, but then, so then when I am come across other people who aren't, I'm just like, ah, my whole body revolts against them. Okay. But to me, one of Russell's biggest flaws is that he's not self-aware. True. True. I don't, true. don't think he's self-aware at all. Yeah. You're right. And it's, and it's really funny. One of the funniest lines in the reunion is when Russell is like arguing that there's a flaw in the game that, mm-hmm. uh, that, America needs a percentage of the vote. And Jeff Probst, who is, for my money, the greatest television host. Yeah, problematic fave, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. But he goes, Russell, that's a different game. And then... and, he, and then when Russell is like, well, if I shouldn't have won, then Parvati should have won. And Ru- and Jeff again is like, that's called Russell decides who wins Survivor. That's not Survivor. <laughs> it's just like so funny that like – and Boston Rob makes the really good point. I mean the thing we've been circling around the, is that Russell plays to get to the end. Other people mm-hmm. play to win. And yes. that's mm-hmm. the problem of the game. It, because when I, because this was the second season I ever saw. I saw Survivor when it oh, first got added to Netflix. So I watched uh, Kagayan and... Which uh, one was that? Tony. Oh, okay. Tony's first season. What year Tony, was this? The, Later. Um, it's after this. What we no, just but watched. like when, when you started watching... 2020. 2020. Okay. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. You were both really recent. Yeah. And you didn't watch it the, like I did Never. in 2000. Never. Oh, I was aware of Richard Hatch. Yeah, I, I was and- aware of um of of not exactly paparazzi, but those sort of like screen-capped photos of him naked from the show yeah, on yeah, yeah. yeah Gossip Man. But that, that was that's something like I was I was explaining this to my kid. We were watching it together. I was like, yeah, I used to watch this once a week, like the fir- just the first season again. But every week I was like, what is going to happen? And the actual experience of like, to- I think it was on CBS after 60 Minutes on Sundays. Mm-hmm. I just have this really like visceral, like broadcast television feeling mm-hmm. about it. And it feels wrong to binge it, you know, for that reason. Like, mm. I, yeah. it, it did break my brain completely, but it, <laughs> I I don't know. It it still feels like very rooted in this moment of like extending it, like water cooler talk, right? Like I remember that a lot. Like who do you who are you rooting for? It was a, a lot about like the space between the episodes. Um, yeah. At least that's what I found really appealing. Like it felt like something big was happening culturally. Um, but then it had a formula and it no longer had any appeal. Cause like, I was wondering, I remember, are these people going to die? Like, are they like, <laughs> are they going to be? So life like, is too much of a formula. Survival is too much of a formula for you. Knowing that well, they're not going to die. I think there's like a level of safety that you get 
where you know that they're going to be evacuated or they're going to be medical interventions mm-hmm, or things mm-hmm. like that. And it kind of, I don't know. <laughs> There's, there was just a different kind of draw, you know. Mm-hmm. Now it's more kind of like you get into this rhythm and you get invested in these characters, you know, and their scheming and strategies. But there isn't like that initial curiosity, which I think alone kind of does have of like, is this person actually going to be okay? Are like they going to hurt them? Are they going to get injured? And I do remember when Richard started doing like the nudist strategy, Mm -hmm. it was just like, I just, you know, there's nothing I'd ever seen like that before. You know, I'm like fucking 14 years old. It just blew my brain, you know, but then I don't know. Sorry. I just wanted to add that. No, no, I I think that's a great point. Maybe now's a good time to talk about like the, just how genre fucked this show is. Like I was trying to think of like mm-hmm. things that are like it. There's Big Brother where everyone's living in a house together. Yeah. Right. And they're competing and there's a winner. But the lack of survive the lack of remote location changes things like so drastically. There's any number of different, you know, game show has so many subgenres within it. But well, it almost doesn't even feel like a game show, except that there's a prize at the end. But yeah, Survivor has there. also, over the years, made it less dangerous and less survivoral mm-hmm. by virtue of, you know, they used to not give them clean drinking water. Now they do. Yeah. Now they have like a well filled with like bottled water or whatever. Not not, lit, but like it's like they've clearly like emptied bottled water into a well or whatever. Mm-hmm. It used to be they really, really had to boil their water. And there are contestants from earlier seasons who talk about the long-term health effects that they suffered from playing on Survivor, like the parasites that they came back with. Mm and, you know, I, I, I do think this still carries over to, to seasons now, but the eating disorders that they develop and the, the way that they, when they come back, they hoard food. Um, mm. So I do think like there's still this element of danger as far as especially like mental health stuff, you know, like the paranoia that they go through. But earlier seasons, there, well, I do think there was more of are these people actually going to die? Yeah. Um, now they go to the same location every single year, right? So there's no... Right. There's no, like, excitement on that. There's no, like, oh, you know, these are different uh, creatures or whatever. It's all the same now, mm-hmm. uh, which is part of why I, I don't really watch the new seasons anymore. That part got – that was a big part for me. The attraction, not necessarily of, like, will they survive, but it was really cool to watch them explore and see these new, you know, like mm-hmm. these new um, like elements of nature. And that part is gone for me. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the other genre is like adventure show. Right. Of, like the amazing race or even like the seasons of the mole that I've seen where they're like going from yes. one place to another. And like th- to me, the yeah, I, I mean. The th- one of the things that makes me so happy to talk about Survivor is I have no, you know, folks who listen to the Jennifer's Body episode may have sensed the the deep-seated, like, insecurity in me where I'm like, maybe Madeline's right, maybe this movie sucks, but I love it, so I'm going to keep <laughs> fighting for it, you know? <laughs> Whereas Survivor, I know all the ways it sucks, I know all the ways it's problematic, and yeah. I just still 
like it and just like still find it fascinating and all of its like imperfect mishmash of all these different types of reality shows like Real Housewives is something that I've gotten into in the last several years and it's like that they're they're not lying for a specific purpose like to mm-hmm. win a game they're just lying for their own reputations and it is in as as set up as it is it is in real life yeah you know? they keep so going like, to jail so. yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> they keep getting indicted yeah. <laughs> right 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 and so it's like i i don't know there's something that feels really and and in fact I think your argument, you are like actually kind of turning me on Russell, Ariel, is like the argument of like the things affecting beyond the game is is a that's the real villain shit to me. Like watching yeah. this with Hope, who we had on our uh our last episode about Hunger Games, who is who is so sensitive to any animal cruelty on screen. Mm. To see the Heroes Tribe chase these chickens, it's like, I know the arguments people make. They're like, well, they're trying to survive. Like, they, you know, they're just trying to eat food. And it's like, but this show doesn't need to exist. Like, there's nothing about the show that needs these people. Like, if they were that hungry, someone could feed them food. I realize it would affect the game, but the these are beings whose lives ended because of this show and that affects something outside of the game and that is like that is you know and i say this as not a vegetarian but like that is real there's cruel and i mean there's there's much more humane ways to kill a chicken (laughs) right 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 i mean just as a former vegetarian it is like actual animal torture that you're you're watching yeah for entertainment at, at times yeah Yeah, I'm fine with it. I think um, (laughs) I do think, though, like as far as what they do in the game and reflecting in what they do in real life, part of my um, this thing that I was thinking about with Russell and part of his strategy, why I don't like it, why I don't respect him, why I think the game is worse for having him is he he plays to get to the end. Right. Mm -hmm. And then he does not think about the consequences once he gets to the end. And then in real life, he owns an oil company where it's (laughs) like, yeah, you are playing in real life to get to the end. You Mm -hmm. are making as much money as you possibly Mm -hmm. can to get to the end. And in the end, as an oil company baron, you look around and it's like you but you don't win because because of the, the damage that you have left in your wake. Yeah. There should be barons for more industries than oil. Yeah. Like a comedy club baron. Or a <laughs> no. That's so, baron that's so or toxic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> club baron. Would yes. either of you go on Survivor as contestants? I think if you had asked me this, uh, if, if Survivor today looked how it did then, yes, I would go on. The way that it is now, no. I would not. I think. So like m- circa 2010, you would go. Yeah, I think on it up to up to 2019. Oh, wow. OK. I think I think the way that the game changed since COVID, it's like I, I don't really want to do that. 
(laughs) (laughs) I would say that, I mean, my answer honestly comes down to like insulin. (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, I'm pretty sure people get their medications. So it's like, let's say if you knew that you could get insulin. Well, that's the problem too, is even like managing my diabetes, like especially around like, because activity like really affects blood sugar. So I'd have to be like pounding honey or glucose tablets before I like jump in the water or something. And so, and I think that might, I just can't imagine people not being like, oh, he secretly has an advantage by doing this or something. But pretending that's not part of it. Mm -hmm. I would but that want, is a good point. Yeah. I, super ableist premise. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's a yeah. sexist, ableist, <laughs> like, white supremacist. Yeah, unabashedly. absolutely. Yeah. But, but yeah, keep going. With, without, in a, in a world where diabetes is not a, a, a factor, I think, I, I think I, I don't think I would apply, but if somehow it landed in my lap, I would probably go... And just want to do like, I don't even need to get in crazy shape. I think my body is like, obviously I'd be like a fat guy in there, but, but it would, I would be, especially in the beginning, skinny women are way more at risk strength wise Mm -hmm. than fat guys. And my body like strengthens up just enough. And I'd be good enough at puzzles that I think I would just want (laughs) to like get some long walks in before I went on survivor. Have the, have the, uh, the sort (laughs) of like, not respiratory. What's aerobic is like stamina. Yeah. What about you, Madeline? No, I would not. No, I could see you doing well. (laughs) I think you would do really well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I could not do this. I could not. I was telling Dave, I could not take the helicopter there. I would just be throwing up. <laughs> just watching it. My hands, like, got all sweaty and cold and clammy. I, I just, I'm afraid of heights. It's, it's like, Same. really, really intense. And I just feel like, based on that alone, it just wouldn't work for me. I would have... A breakdown. What if what it if they was, took you by boat? Because some seasons they go by boat, yeah. not helicopter. Yeah. I think I'd be. I think I'd just go crazy. I don't know. It was reminding me of um, we occupied this like university building like 15 years ago, and there was a point where I'd been in there for like three days or four days. And I was just like, I'm leaving, guys. I have to go. I'm going to be one of the outside people. <laughs> like, and I showed up and I like kept bringing like food to them and like camping out outside. But I just, it felt like a pressure cooker. Like, I was not emotionally <laughs> able to deal with that. Like, that's an archetype these, for these sure. Guys the intelligent are, like, person about who Marxism breaks down. And, you know, <laughs> like watching. And then also just witnessing this thing that was happening around like, okay, who's cleaning and who's like figuring out food and who's just like sitting around having these like debates about this or that text or this kind of thing that just really fucking frustrated me. And I just, yeah, I brought out the villain in me. I was like, I I just am not good for this space. I'm not helping anyone by feeling this frustrated, you know? Um, If you did go on it. Yeah. No. Okay. Well, no. What were you going to say? It was also what, Madeline? It just, it also reminded me of living in a collective house for a bunch of years Mm. where like people, people do leave because they're like, fuck this or whatever. Um, But, or they move, 
move on in their life, move in with a girlfriend or this kind of thing. But you are kind of like, how do we vote this person out? (laughs) (laughs) And like the kind of like ongoing drunken arguments that you'd witness, you know, in, in a collective house, it was just bringing back. I was thinking if I was still living in that kind of situation, I would not be able to, to handle an episode of survivor, which is too much of that, (laughs) but I, I have a healthy distance from it now. And so I could be entertained a little bit, but would you enjoy the the challenges? I feel like you might enjoy some of, I feel like you're a little bit of an adventure guy. I would, but that's the thing. It's like, I would enjoy some challenges and like, I would mm. swim this, but like, I'm just way too picky about what I will adventure. <laughs> on, you know what I mean? Well, if you're Sandra, you can do almost no challenges. Yeah. That's what I loved about Sandra, that she is such a loser. And, all of that <laughs> stuff, and yet she still won. I, I do think that's really charismatic and interesting, but no, well, I don't think I could do it. I don't know. But do you think like, the other thing I was thinking a lot about was people who, so I am like recovering eating disorder person. And I was just thinking, I mean, it's really hard not to just look at this and be like, what an amazing flash diet. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> and also I do think I would be pretty good at like just not eating and not being tempted by food. Um, which is so clearly like, you know, there's some, some things where like Parv, Parv, like she just has that kind of stamina of just not, not eating. And I don't know. I was just thinking it would bring out some ugly things in me. Yeah. It's another thing that the show used to handle really terribly <laughs> is really? Uh, in the early seasons, uh, they, for the, like the final four or whatever, they would like bring them a mirror and like a scale um, oh or when they would, and then later on when they would leave, uh, there for the, when they were on the jury, they would do, uh, this thing called Ponderosa, which was like a web series about like the people after they got voted out. And there's always like a part where they show, where they show how much weight they've lost. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a lot of it is like, Ooh, yeah. You know, like that's like the reaction from a lot of people where you're like, ah, it's so toxic. That's so bad. That's really okay. bad. Sent me the one from coach. Yeah. yeah his I, clips from Ponderosa. He's like looking in the mirror and he's like the dragon slayer's body just gets stronger he like really is like i mean if you ever doubt that men have body image issues look to coach looking in the mirror being Mm -hmm. so proud of his body after survivor i mean let's not forget courtney when she after her first season in china which madeline if you do ever want to like keep watching survivor china is an amazing season um and Courtney is Courtney is one of my favorites, like not as like a strategic player or anything. I just think she's so funny and great. And uh, I think it's part of why she will never win is she cannot help but say what she's thinking. Mm-hmm. And it's always dripping with sarcasm. But um, <laughs> at the reunion for China, they like Jeff specifically is like, Courtney, you're so skinny. Everybody wants to know, are you anorexic? And she's like, whoa, what? Not like. No, I'm just like every everybody in my family is just like small. Like we're just small people. Mm-hmm. It's so uncomfortable. And the show used to do a terrible job of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And now it's all perfect and they don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> they're trying. I will say they're trying to be a little bit better about it now. Yeah. I I think in terms of like uh if I did play the game, how far I would get, the 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 thing I maintain is I think I could get to at my best, I think I could get to the final five and lose. Mm. Yeah, I don't think I, I could see win. You, I could see you winning, Ariel. Me really? Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know. I'm not good at um I'm also not great at like letting like if I don't like somebody, it's really hard for me to not let that show. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like if somebody drives like like Boston Rob in the season that he wins, I think he does such a good job with people he thinks are absolutely insane, but making them feel <laughs> yeah. like he really likes them. Oh, they, they think he's yeah. their best friend. Right. And I, I can't do that. Boston Rob is incredible because he's able to give us what we want in terms of charm in confessionals he's able yeah. to completely like turn on the hose there and then modulate it more around mm-hmm. other people boston rob is a benign dictator yeah 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 a benevolent dictator benevolent yes yes yeah. he you he you you feel safe with boston rob even though he's calling all the shots and you have no say mm. well that's the thing yeah. about Why is he playing your favorite dave well i just think he's so uh, handsome uh, He's very he's sexy. Handsome. He's got it. He's got an. There's there's a real appeal there. But I yeah. just he's wish he'd take off that hat. <laughs> <laughs> right. He not like Russell. He he like has hair under it. But like, uh, he he's just he. I, I'm a sucker for a charming person. I think mm-hmm. he's very charismatic. I think he is. Uh, I like that he's good at puzzles. Uh, mm-hmm. With uh, but he he reads like a dumb guy. Yeah. Like, well, you know, the, the accent, accent doesn't help. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like construction yeah. worker, blue collar guy. You're like ready to underestimate him. But then in all of his confessionals, he like clearly has just watched The Godfather a million times and like <laughs> wants to be The Godfather and is like and, – and Tyson shits on other people in a way that grates on me in his confessionals. But Rob is like – is just like – here I am with another tribe of fucking goofs. Like uh, they gave me the dysfunctional tribe again. So I got to lead these people do this. And it's like, I don't know. I, I just find him. Would you be friends charming. with him? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You'd be friends. You'd get, you'd get along. You think? I think so. And well, the thing about the, like playing to win, which ironically mm. makes it harder to get to the end at sometimes is, mm. Not everyone who plays to win does this, but I think Parvati does this as well, where they have the thing that a lot of like charismatic people have of like when you're in their presence, you feel like the most important person in the world. And Rob identifies what they want. Mm -hmm. And like, and he even Mm. talks about this with Coach about like, the thing that's most important, identify the thing that's most important to them with coach is his reputation and then put it on the line. So Mm -hmm. Rob, when he's like talking to coach about strategy, he's like saying like, if you did that, people wouldn't think of you uh, because coach thinks he's like this integrity guy, which he's not, Mm -hmm. but like, He's Rob King Arthur, like, baby. Yeah, he's like, he's like, people wouldn't <laughs> think of you as the integrity you think you have. And mm-hmm. and that gets through to coach. And and I just find that mm-hmm. really impressive. 
Well, it's like the difference between um, playing with charisma, where you are helping people get what they want, uh, versus the way that Russell plays, which is playing by threatening them constantly, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, not caring at all what they want, only caring about what you want. It's why I, d- I mean, he has no charisma. He has no charm. He has, no. he has like snake oil charm kind of thing yeah. where you're just like, he has like dark charm. I yeah. guess he, ha- I mean, like I can see, I guess I can sort of see it, but it's just like, he he has this way it's it's scary like like he's a scary person so the only way in which you're doing what he wants is because you're afraid of him which will Mm -hmm. never i mean you'll never you'll never win that way he's such a toxic person that i do think parvati played the best game but Mm. because she was aligned with him he's so toxic that they wouldn't give her the win Hmm. Well, I think the final tribal is really interesting because they all give like, y- you know, there's these speeches that people give to tribal council. Less so now. I think it's more just like question driven. Now but, they do like a like a round like a table round kind table. of thing. Like yeah. anybody can like a panel instead. Mm-hmm. Okay, But they each give pretty succinct different versions of why they should win. Mm-hmm. Sandra's argument is I did it myself. I had no, I had no alliances. Mm-hmm. Like this was on me. She also mm-hmm. does a thing when people ask her, like her failure. She had, you know, it's in Survivor. It's so much like a job interview where it's like, "What's your greatest weakness?" And it's always <laughs> spun to be a strength. Right. Sandra's mm-hmm. like, "I tried to get Russell out so much, and that was a huge failure." And like, no one talks like that. And the fact that she still won is like. It speaks Mm -hmm. to how hated Russell was or how good of an argument that was or that they liked her honesty. But so, okay, so Sandra's is I did it myself. Russell is I played the game. Yeah, yeah, I played hard. I played harder. I than played the game, right? And even Parvati, though I want to change the rules, the well, game. that's that's the argument. Is like he <laughs> they're played all playing the game. game. Yeah, yeah. Parvati says I kept Russell as my pet, which is a great line from this season. Mm-hmm. And she played the ultimate, which is such a good strategy because it's like there's an art. People look and they're like, "Oh, Parvati like wasn't doing anything all season," and it's like, no, she did a thing early on, which is aligned with Russell. And then that because she had no choice till she had to strike. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. I kept Russell as my pet. And then she says, I played the ultimate social strategic and physical game. And Parvati mm-hmm. is the one who, for people who really like the challenges, really argue the physical game. Like she's, she's the one really good. for those people. And she's mm-hmm, a fucking, mm-hmm. I think it's like, she's a yoga person. Yeah. And I think that's where you see her shit there, like how she's able to just keep her hand above her head for a really long time or like yeah, the endurance yeah. on something. Yeah. She's a yoga person and I don't, you know, whatever, but she also really knows how to do stuff while she's hungry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She's you able know? to put aside physical discomfort and I will yeah. say, so is Russell, right? Like, like he doesn't oh, have the yeah. endurance stuff, but he does not care about eating. He does not care about comfort. Um, yeah. In in season nineteen, uh, I think it rains for like nineteen days straight, and he does not care. Like he's just unbothered by all of it. That's interesting. You think he reminds me of Bob Hoskins, but Bob Hoskins is like one of the most charming men ever. You know what I'm talking about? I don't the, know who Bob Hoskins actor. is. 
But yeah, I'm going to go on real quick. I know, yeah, I know the name. You're going to know when you see him. I mean, he's like in, oh, oh he's sure, in, uh, sure, sure. he's in the, uh, the, the, the show with the autistic doctor. Oh yeah. Yeah. Totally. House? Um, I'm no, sorry. not house. Um, I can't remember the name of it because my husband and I call it something derogatory and I'm not going to say it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. I see that. Love him. Sorry. Mm-hmm. But he's like, it's like. Maybe I find him. Bob Hoskins so charming, like especially in Mermaids, like when he's like flirting with Cher. <laughs> nice. You know, he's you're looking at him, and you're, you're looking at Cher, and you're like, he, this guy has no chance. This is Cher, right? But he just knows how to work that charm, and Russell just has nothing like that at all, right? It's like it's a complete. Um, vacuum. Yeah. You know? Also, I, I, I did know. just mix him up with uh, Richard Schiff. So I'm sorry for anybody oh, okay. yelling Richard at me. Schiff. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I was like, maybe I'm. Maybe I don't know what you're talking. No, about. I. Because Bob Hoskins died sadly. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I'm looking uh, at him with Cher, and I'm seeing a very like George oh, Costanza esque. Uh, yeah, like you got to see that movie if you haven't. Okay. Yeah. There's this point where he looks at her, and I think he says like you're a real woman or something like that. And you're just like, you just melt inside. He's like, definitely would... got like short King vibes. Yes. He had serious short King vibes. Anyways, I just wanted to bring that up because it's like, it's not the physicality thing. Yeah. You know? It's just, there's an energy to Russell that is just unbelievably poisonous. Mm-hmm. Well, can we talk about heroes for a second? Because I think there's a thing there that, like, because Rupert. Interesting question. Interesting question. Because Rupert, for after watching this season a second time, Rupert's Mm -hmm. initial season, he is he's one of these guys where it's like came out seems to come out of nowhere from casting. You're like, Mm -hmm. who is this guy? He's such a uh, little survival guy. He's getting like so much. Yeah. Uh, it, this is an era too where like providing for the tribe meant a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And he's like fishing all the time. He's got like jockey little frat bros like making fun of him because he wears a skirt at one point that is just like comfortable for him. So he's an underdog and he's just like so himself that he's very charming. I found his identification with the role of a hero, even in the reunion, he's like, I just really love being called a hero, being like able to represent heroes. I'm like, I hate that. I, I yeah. like that's him. so distasteful to me. I had exactly the same experience. I loved him in Pearl Islands. Mm-hmm. I thought he was such a refreshing character because there is always like a weirdo character Uh Uh, in every season he i think is the weirdo character but in this way that doesn't feel cringy in his season Mm -hmm. um and you're yeah you're rooting for him he just seems like a sweet man who wants to take care of everybody and who's Mm -hmm. just like unabashedly himself 
he, he loves his wife so much. He really yeah. loves his Just wife. Just a comparison with the, the Russell's <laughs> yes. interaction is like yeah. the exact opposite. No, he loves his family so much. It's part of what his charm is in his original season. I also think Russell loves his family so much, but not because he loves them. I think it's because he loves himself and sees them as an extension of himself. He's possessive. He's yeah. yes, he's incredibly possessive. Um, and I, th- but so Rupert will do anything for his family. And in that first season, I think he sees his tribe as his family. So it mm. it comes, it's mm. so endearing. Mm. He really will do anything for them. He really believes in like, you know, being a good person within this context of having to vote people off. And mm. um, once it's like these like bad people, you know, this, that's also the season where we've got Johnny Fairplay, which is, he is an iconic villain in a way that I don't think Johnny Russell- Fairplay is the guy who had his friend, when when they had friends and family visit, his friend lied about his grandma dying to to make people feel bad for him, which I don't know. It's pretty funny That's to me. Terrible. The grandma shows up at the reunion and she's like, oh, she I thought it. it was fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Russell, well, did you know about Rupert being a like a rabid libertarian who ran for governor of Indiana? No. Yeah, I did know he was a libertarian. I didn't know that he ran for governor. Governor and was defeated by Mike Pence. Oh, (laughs) oh! The whole world could be different, man. Just think about it. it. We could could be living under a Rupert presidency right now. But like the family thing, and I mean the fact that he is a libertarian makes him a very good survivor contestant. Yeah, right. Sure, (laughs) that's a great point. Thinking a lot about that in terms of. The show, like, to think about the alone versus survivor mm-hmm. question, right? I'm kind of curious, like, what has... Which is not a question. Survivor wins handily, okay. so... I'm The question for me is not quality. It's, like, yeah. what are the political tendencies mm-hmm. of these shows? Mm-hmm. And it does seem, like, alone is, like, a straight-up clear libertarian fantasy of, like, survivalism and, like, you know, being able to, as an individual, like live on your own right but i do think that and i without having seen alone okay i've just heard people talk about it i do think that there is like maybe even a stronger libertarianism of survivor where it's like you're in a collectivity but it is a war of all against all and an individual is going to have to rise above this collective like that is inevitable and so like just how are you going to stab each other in the back or like betray people Mm -hmm. not not whether you're going to do it but how you will have to do it right i don't know there's something really disturbing about that (laughs) well and talk about like even more problematic heroes who also have an interesting not even problematic kind of just like heinous who Mm -hmm. have an interesting arc on this season colby who's just a flat out like blue lives matter guy. Yeah. Uh, never. And Colby. also uh, does some hosting for the alone panels. Oh, the alone. Panels. Yeah. And I read that he's like, a, he's a history channel um, guy. Like whatever dude. reality program, reality programs on the history channel, which also just really checks. Right. It's like, I can imagine like 
a Tony Soprano libertarian <laughs> viewership of his. I of his I really enjoyed watching Colby's downfall in this. Dude, season. his decline on this season yes. is such a. It is like a Greek tragedian decline. I really enjoyed it. He, it's very gratifying. He yeah. can't win. The, my funniest moment, which is I think also why I like Survivor, is just funny. It's like it's really yes. funny, and it's funny to because it's. Because it's one of, I think maybe we've talked about this, Ariel, where like one of my, one of the funniest types of humor to me is someone going at something really hard and failing. It's like kind of a schadenfreude thing. It's, it's like, I, I think we might, I forget if we talked about this on the, the, it's a fucking stick podcast or not. So indulge me. But like, I was training to be a, a recess coach. So we were like, just someone who oversees recess and, and mm-hmm. All these adults were like learning these different kids playground games. And there's this one game where it's two lines, each person in both lines, there's like you number like one to 20. So there's a one in each line, a two in each line, etc. And then someone calls out a number. So two people rush to the center, grab a ball and race to put a ball into a hula hoop on the other side. So the idea is you're grabbing a ball, you're parting ways and you're racing there. Mm-hmm. This one guy, his number's called, he doesn't even grab his ball. He just basketball guards this other person mm. and he's doing it so intensely that it was killing me that he was not playing the game correctly, but that he was like going so hard at it. It's like one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And so, (laughs) so, and, and the thing like that here is when they're doing the friends and family water throwing challenge and Colby's getting so Uh. pissed at his brother. (laughs) He's like, it's like the whole decline of the whole season. He's like, read, read, tell me what you want. Come on, Reed. It's so, it's so Dang good. it, Reed. <laughs> yeah. It's even worse than how Russell treats his wife. Oh. Yeah, but it's his brother. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. guess so. Like, that's. But, like, his brother came out to, like, help him. It's so I funny. <laughs> like, within minutes, you're just, like, yelling at him like that. I don't know. I agree. I think it's so funny. I And, again, it's one of the things with Russell that's totally missing for me is there's never any humor with Russell. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. never funny. Right. Everybody yeah. else, it's hol- like at some point it is hilarious. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, okay. So do you, do you have any other thoughts of because the other hero I want to talk about is Amanda? But have you do you have any other thoughts about Colby and like his? Well, Amanda and JT. Um, I mean, I I think Colby and JT are both uh, great examples of when like Jeff Probst falls in love with like a handsome white guy and just wants them to be like Mr. Survivor. It happens so much. Yeah. Um, mm. And yeah, it's really, it's, I, I really enjoyed watching them not be Mr. Survivor. I really enjoyed mm. watching Colby just be weak and James be like, what happened to my Superman? My Superman is like sad. I love that. I loved uh, JT just being a bumbling idiot with like, <laughs> like he does well at first. You're right with like by creating different alliance. Like he's with he 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 makes himself the swing vote, which is mm-hmm. so smart and great. And then as soon as it comes to any variation of strategy outside of those alliances, he's just so stupid. 
and so cocky about it. Like he, he will not allow himself to even think he could possibly be wrong. Um, mm-hmm. So I just, I think that was really fun to watch. I really, I really enjoy watching <laughs> handsome white men fail. <laughs> There's a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. JT reminded me of another movie we watched earlier this season, Four Lions. Mm-hmm. Have you seen mm-hmm. Four Lions? Mm-hmm. It's like these like four, you know, problematic words abound, but like the four uh, suicide bombers who are like bumbling doofuses uh, in their attempts to like pull off a jihad. And uh, JT, I was just like, okay, we can have bumbling heroes and bumbling villains. It, it does, does bumbling lead more to heroism or villainy? Yeah. I think it also shows off the strength of Sandra because it does make you realize JT in his season uh, that he initially played, if he did not have Steven doing all the strategizing for him, he never could have won. And you see that in this because he doesn't have anybody doing the thinking for him. In fact, he says he's doing the thinking for Rupert. And it's like, and how did that work out for anybody? Sandra, I think like really can win with any playing against anybody. Mm. Yeah. And Amanda's thing is like, I I think that moment where they're on a reward challenge, they're watching this, like, I thought it was like a new version of treasure Island, but it's just like a public domain uh, sort of situation. They're yeah, watching, it's like, like it's like recorded off of PBS. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's her and Colby and Danielle, and Amanda's, you know, in confessionals talking about how hard she's looking for a clue to a hidden immunity idol. She sees Danielle grab it out of the popcorn and then goes over and just like swipes it from her, which I you know, as a lover of bad behavior on this show, I'm like, amazing, incredible. Yeah. I love it. And then and then Danielle, they're just like fighting they're danielle's just like give it back to me and like tries they like try to wrestle each other and amanda does give it back to her and later says like so stupid but is and is like i think that was my big mistake and even in the reunion jeff is like has to say that it's not an insult but he's like amanda you just the streets are saying it you don't let you don't have that killer instinct and i'm like that is a really interesting thing also, this is Dave's uh, horny corner right now. Just Amanda looks <laughs> fucking great. This whole show, dude. Just who like all the all the love people are given to Parvati. I think like funnel it toward Amanda. Not that like really? she's obviously like a. I'm not like blowing any minds there. Like this <laughs> tall, attractive beauty queen, literal beauty queen. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) But I don't know. What do you make of how that relates to her being a hero? This, this lack of killer instinct. And and what's crazy is Colby like they look to Colby as an arbiter of like, what should we do? (laughs) Like, let's let the, the heroic white guy determine who, you know, who wins in this? I don't know. What do either of you make of that and her sort of hero status? I mean, neither of them had a, a, a killer instinct in that. Colby's like, yeah, give it back to her. It's hers. It's like, dude, this is your ally. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Say open it. Like, you should have just said, open it up. Read it out loud. We all get the clue. 
Like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. But instead he's just like, I just wanted to watch Treasure Island and eat popcorn. (laughs) God, you all suck. I do think when the term hero is like very unfairly attributed to most of these people. I, I think, I think really all they're saying is like, they were likable and America likes them. That's it. That's, that's what makes them. I mean, I honestly, I do think it's fair to put Rupert in the hero category based on how he was on his first season. They would not have eaten. They would not have like thrived without him. Um, Mm -hmm. But everybody else, it's like, what did Amanda ever do? That was like heroic. You know what I mean? She just, yeah. She's just like yeah. pretty and made it She's to the pretty. end and you <laughs> like her. Yeah. That's it. I like Jerry. Jerry's great. I, I found myself really loving Jerry this season. I like I have Jerry. the hots for her. That's all I'm saying. She's yeah, she's a babe in this season, dude. Mm-hmm. Like her whole thing. She's older. She's too. aged really well. She I guess she was 38 during this. Well, so, so she never mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 38 year old women Gross. you're younger than me right now Ugh. so she and colby were 39 yeah, wow relax ariel hit us where she, she and colby were on season two australia together mm-hmm. yeah, yeah and and it was i i i loved seeing jerry outlast colby on this season it was it was really because colby treated her so horribly so it's another thing where i'm like why is he a hero he was like oh also one of my favorite colby facts from season two is uh there was a reward that he and jerry won where they got to like go to some like coral reef and he uh took some of the coral reef home with him and was fined i think like a hundred thousand dollars which was what he won for coming in second <laughs> That's amazing. So with taxes taken out, yeah. probably he was in the red for that season. Yeah, it's wow. It's it's really well, And I don't know if it I was season Jay. 2 or her when she returns for All-Stars in season 8, but there was one reunion where the people in the audience booed Jerry mm-hmm. out of the studio. Mm-hmm. She like, yeah, what's she, that about? It's horrible, dude. I don't it, get it. It's just sexism. Just so likable. It's just okay. sexism. She it's just, yeah. She, her edit was very much making her the villain. And this is also, you have to remember, this is like 2001 was her first season. Her second season was probably what, like 2004, 2005. There were not like these, America did not have a concept of uh, one, what an edit can do and how it can make you look differently from how you actually played. And two, Mm -hmm. like a reality show villain. Like we didn't have that yet. Yeah. So America was like, yes, there's, I mean, sexism is a huge part of it. Um, But they, yeah, they like made her look to be a villain. And I, I really loved that even though in this season, it doesn't really seem like she does that much except like flip to Russell um, from mm-hmm. Boston Rob. But I really like they, she, she feels like a human being. Like they really humanized her in this season. Well, and she really takes the edge off coach with their relationship mm-hmm. being you're, you're like, okay, I guess I, I get how someone could find coach kind of like, uh, absurdly well, it's charming she's older in a way. than coach she's a year older than coach so so she she could mentor him <laughs> i'm just bringing it back to the age yeah thing. so she could Sorry. mentor him <laughs> let him know what 
the age of 37 is going to well, be Well, I like think they him. probably did have a bond over like America laughed at coach from his previous seasons. Yeah, and I'm yeah. sure they did have a bond over like being like, yeah, doesn't it suck when your perception is off? Like when people just yeah. hate you or laugh at you, not for no reason, but you know, in this way where you're like, you're not getting the full picture of who I am. It's got to be frustrating, but also clearly what they sign up for. But yeah, I again, I'm I'm just so confused about who gets to be a hero, who gets to be a villain. It says so much more about like, yeah, the editorial process and audience perception mm-hmm. than their actual oh yeah moral character or even the strategies that they use. They're using the same. I mean, they are switching up their strategies, but. There's like a mirroring between the tribes. Well, there's a really pretty interesting. There's a great moment where James, I think, gets mad about something or he like tackles a woman. Something happens. And Courtney yells, are are you sure you're not supposed to be over here with us, James? Like, are you sure you're not supposed to be a villain? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because it is like, yeah, you can't play Survivor. You can't win Survivor as a hero. Mm -hmm. Right. Not a pure. I mean, I don't know. That's why it comes down to villains. Well, right? it says it's interesting that the cover, like just looking at Wikipedia, the cover of the DVD for this season, there are six mm-hmm. people, five villains, and Rupert. It's like that's not a, you know, a mm-hmm. coincidence. Oh, God. And I just think, I mean, to me, spoiler for the whole season, I don't think heroes and villains exist. You know, I don't think heroes exist necessarily. I, I think villains. Maybe, you know, there are people whose souls have rotted mm-hmm. to the point of <laughs> of oppressing and manipulating people. But it's just like, you know, we're looking at four lions. We're thinking about, like, who gets called a terrorist. We're looking at this. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, so situation dependent. Yeah. Who, yeah, of course. Who gets called what. Even with regards to money, it's really interesting. Like, Russell is the, quote, rich guy. But Sandra talks about, like, this is my job. My, you know, we could talk about all the military stuff. Like, my husband is off in Afghanistan. I am here doing my thing. Like, which it is pretty impressive how Sandra's like, this is work. I do it mm-hmm. and I take the money home every I time. I love it. I yeah. do it. Yeah, I like it. But that's normally she a has villain. What thing. we would call in the col- introduction to college essay grit, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Just like the first year of. I used to have to do this thing where we'd um, read blue be- book exams that were just like mm. essays that people would write to place them into writing classes and that was like a main Ugh. part of my job and it was just this day where I would read like 200 blue book essays you know oh. and really like much worse than after watching all of Survivor <laughs> yeah. you know like my brain just didn't work but there would always be about grit um, like the prompt that the, this exam would ask them to write about was grit and I just kept thinking about that with Sandra, because that is so much her appeal, like as much of a vacuous term. Yeah, well, I would think that, that is, would be a heroic right? quality, right? Grit. No, I think so too. Yeah. But I think like the she's like, you can call me a villain. I don't really care. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like that's her attitude towards towards these archetypes. And I don't know. She does seem it 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 makes sense to me that she was a huge game changer in terms of her approach. But yeah, she does seem to have that. 
But Dave, I think Persona. I think you're right. I think the villains are villains. The heroes are not heroes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, like yeah. in the context of this game, in real yeah. life, yes, a hundred percent. Very, sure. very, very few people are actual villains, and very, very, very few people are actual heroes. Most of us fall somewhere in the middle. We, and it depends on the context, and it depends on whose side you're looking at. Um, everything and is complicated. In real life, talk about, you, you know, I, I think if you claim to be a hero which is maybe the mm-hmm. Rupert problem. You're like, no matter what you've done, you're kind of like immediately naughty. If, if Oscar right. Schindler is like, is like, bam, bam, like I did that <laughs> shit. You're like, whoa, 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 you know? And so it's just like every hero, every, everyone who we consider a real life hero talks about basically rising to the circumstances that they're called mm-hmm. to. And so like, that's what's happening here as well is like, and, and, and I think there's just no way to be a hero in a game where one person wins a million dollars. Of course. Yeah. It's a villain's game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we've been talking through this season about one of the main threads, which was totally unintentional um, but it's coming coming clear at this point. It's like hunger. We've looked at a couple of vampire movies. I don't know what you call Jennifer and Jennifer's body. Oh, yeah. She's a succubus. Yeah. Right? Um, so, like, we've looked at that. And then we looked at the Hunger Games last week. My main critique of the Hunger Games remains that they aren't hungry enough. <laughs> 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 but like, and I would have liked it better if they resorted to cannibalism. Um, Cause that just seems like it would make sense, especially when some people really suck. But um, hunger is such an interesting factor here, right? It's like hunger to win versus like, I don't know. It's like if that's the condition of the game is that everyone be hungry, Mm -hmm. everyone be deprived, that it's like about scarcity, then like, of course, you become villainous, right? Like, there's no way to exceed that. Those are the rules of the game, right? Right. right. Well, this is something Dave and I talked about, too, when uh, when we talked about Survivor is this idea of like, you'll watch people and be like, why would they do that? Or like, oh, they're making a bad move. And it's like, they have not eaten. They have not slept. You will make terrible decisions when you are hungry and tired, right? Like it's, it's so, it must be so difficult to uh, manage your paranoia, to um, make these complicated moves to keep track of math, right? Like, like we see it when Tyson yeah. switches his vote uh, to Parvati and you're like, oh, you idiot. Cause they were splitting the vote. And it's like, right. yeah, he hadn't eaten. Of course he didn't think yeah. through everything. It's also yeah. part of what makes Russell so ununderstandable or unempathetic mm. to me <laughs> is he's not hungry. Like maybe physically he is, but he's certainly not complaining of it because he doesn't care. And money wise, he's mm. fine. He does not care about the money. He says it multiple times. He is only there for the title. Um, so it's like, he's only hungry for respect. And I think that's something he will never get. That's why I never want to give mm-hmm. it to him because I know it's the thing that he lacks. Well, I think it's the, with the show, it's a really interesting problem of 
the show is that we talked about before we started recording a comedian who creates such like live amazing energy in the room that doesn't necessarily mm. translate to video and i think mm -hmm. that's what hunger is in survivor you almost need the performance of hunger because when you see people focused on a puzzle you're like those are focused people working on a thing that's why in these in i think later seasons multiple times a season you have people doing confessionals where they go it's so much harder than it looks you sit on your couch and you think it's it's just a game but the hunger element cannot be overstated yeah. and you need the yeah. performance of hunger and Madeline. Another thing you and I were talking about before we started recording is that like, these are the situations, you know, if we talk about like criminalization and like villainization of people, scarcity mm -hmm. and lack mm -hmm. of resources are the things that create villains of people. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to again talk about Yellow Jackets, okay. but Yellow Jackets is so amazing because it has the same logic, but instead of being voted out, it's who gets eaten, you know? And I just really like that show and the way in which, yeah, there is this like moral conflict at the center. Everyone wants to, to love each other and care for each other and like, they're going to have to figure out how to survive together. And it does resort to that, you know? Um, and it's like an, I, but I don't know. I, I think that what's kind of weird about survivor is the way that it makes that a game and makes that yeah. seem fun. <laughs> and that it's something to play. And I don't know. It is also what's like, profoundly fascinating about it like i'll give it that i think that's but. the antisocial quality of it to me it's like clearly so wrong to turn that into a game and i'm like but people yeah. turned it into a game and i get to watch it whoa, whoa okay crazy you know see i could see watching this during the pandemic or the beginning of the pandemic as a way of reminding myself oh yeah i don't miss being around people it's totally <laughs> that fine was to just be that here. was huge for me <laughs> watching it at watching people on paradise be miserable was so comforting for me during the pandemic because <laughs> I was just stuck in my one bedroom apartment in New York. And I got to see people like truly go to like these tropical islands. It looks like a vacation. They're around all these people. And we, of course, were not right. It's just me and my husband and our dog. And that's it. And it's the same people you see every day. And to see them just be so <laughs> miserable and hungry. And you're like, you know what? good um <laughs> yeah totally do you eat while you watch survivor i asked dave um this. survivor it doesn't really matter to me alone okay. i have to eat while i watch it really have to what and not watch alone i feel guilty eating during i felt actually guilty when i was eating while i was watching survivor like i had to stop and then go and eat and then I was thinking about it last night. So the only TV show, reality TV show that I watch is like all things bake off. Mm -hmm. you know? Oh, you're a very sweet person, Madeline. <laughs> oh, you just don't. No, know I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but I love Great British Bake Off and I watch it with my kid and we like inevitably get to a point where like we should go and like make some yeah. movies like. 
let's take like a little beat. But we were doing that last night, but I just couldn't, I couldn't eat while watching it. I just felt so bad for them not having food. I don't know. I was just wondering if that's like a common experience or not. On Survivor, I'm okay with it. I think um, partly they're all like hot enough, but um, I, I just don't feel yeah. ever bad for them really. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I, the Algos are on alone, you're saying. I mean, kind of, but well, it's part of why I love alone is everybody on alone actually looks like people I know, right? Like on Survivor, you're just like, yeah, these are straight out of casting. Like not everybody, they'll, they'll throw in one who doesn't look like they belong in Hollywood. Um, It's what Mm -hmm. in 30 Rock when they uh, spoof Survivor with MILF Island uh, and Jack says uh, about one of the contestants of like she's it, she has a really amazing story. Did you know before she, uh, before this she was just a struggling actress in Hollywood? Like, yeah, that's how they all look. Yeah, um, totally. Uh, I think in Survivor, I think they get enough eating opportunities for me to not feel too guilty. I, I do yeah. love watching them eat not in a mukbang way. Yes. And I, I know like Dave and I, we've talked about this too. Cause anytime I say this to somebody, they're like, wait, are you into mukbang? And I'm like, no, 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 it's not. I don't like watching that. I do really enjoy, like they savor it and they like, oh, yeah. you can see just like the relief flood them. Um, I think it's like wild earlier seasons. They do much more of this and they seem to not anymore, but they would do like, you know, this reward is like the Outback reward or the Applebee's reward. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, yeah. yeah, what a great commercial for those. Yeah. Because yeah. right. you will never see people Absolutely. enjoy Outback or Applebee's more than these starving people. Sandra's an yeah. incredible Outback spokesperson. I think she was trying like she for is. it. She was. Yeah. Yeah. I think that course, was very. Of course. She was like, Outback, <laughs> let me be, you know, if I don't win, yeah. I, I'm going to need an income. <laughs> Okay, so this is my other thing about like, so I've I've said this a few times to Dave, but I get so frustrated in movies where people don't eat. It's like an adventure movie and they're running around and doing things I never see them like eat or sleep (laughs) or go to the bathroom. And I'm wondering, you both have seen this like every episode. Do they ever explain what they do about going to the bathroom? Well, there is one season where the reward is an outhouse. That's Do you remember right. that, Dave? That's wow. right. Yeah, okay. I feel like they shit in the ocean. Is I think that- I think they mostly shit in the ocean. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, that's horrible. Um, yeah. Right? There yeah. are also times where <laughs> their their inability or over ability to poop becomes a real issue in the game. Okay. Um. So apparently, coconut is a diuretic, and there is a season where one guy is like he refuses to eat. Because all he has to eat is coconut. And he's like, I can't stop pooping. So I will not eat this coconut. Um, They talk about that. And then one of my favorite moments in Survivor. It's so sad, but it's so great. Is there is one season where the reward is for to go to a spa. And they have spa food, which included some beef skewers. And one contestant ate so much beef skewers that he ate himself into a um, blocked bowel and had to be medically evacuated. Oh my God. That's amazing. So it, it does okay. come up. Sometimes. I'm really glad they have the details. Yes. But that's like, a, you know, 
you do have that like basic curiosity like Mm -hmm. how many pairs of underwear do they have like when you have your period on survivor what do you do they they are allowed tampons and pads i know that's provided to them by production that's good yeah i don't know i mean i mean i'm glad about those things Mm -hmm. but um i just kind of wish there were more details well and the funny thing about this (laughs) issue of yours madeline is that like it's it's easy to understand why like producers or writers or directors would be like what why are we gonna stop the narrative to watch someone like take a piss but like in survivor that is the narrative like it very like the question becomes way more relevant of Mm -hmm. like wait, where are, where are they taking a piss? How are they able to film these confessionals and not have people overhear their strategy? You know yeah. what I mean? Like things like that. The, the logistical concerns are like also part of the fun of the show. Yeah. yeah. I, I wonder where they poop in the seasons where they weren't in an ocean. Because that, that like China is not on right. an ocean. Um, Guatemala is not by an ocean. Like the right. There are some landlocked. You know, we just hope they'd like dig a big hole. Yeah. Right. You know? Right. Because I was assuming that. I was assuming there was some spot where there was a big hole or something. No, I think it's a good question. I don't want to think they poop in the ocean. I don't want to think that. Well, they definitely, whether they it's definitely the main do. thing, there's 0% chance that Survivor has been on this long and no one has pooped in the damn ocean. Yeah. Yeah. Why does it bother you so much that they poop in the ocean? I just have this like vision of like turds like coming up with the tides onto the beach. <laughs> I'm guessing it's not like if you think about how little they're eating, I don't think they're I don't think it's like it's not big I don't think pellets. so. I think it's little pellets. There was a, a moment in season nineteen where really where they asked Natalie, like, have you pooped yet? She's like, No. Like she, you know, she like couldn't poop for like eight days. Yeah, see, that's the kind of thing I'd I'd love those details. Me too. I'd love those details. Because I had imagined I couldn't poop either. Like, I don't, I have a hard time pooping when I travel or things like that, you know? It was the first thing I said to you guys when I came on the Zoom. Yeah. Because I didn't yeah. poop yesterday. I wasn't going to add that. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> you for- we need to have, we need to, okay, Survivor season, I think they've already planned 46. Season 47, Survivor poop versus pee. There's brown buffs and yellow buffs. No, you, damn One no. tribe gets to poop, Absolutely. one tribe gets to pee. In the middle when they're merged, <laughs> they come or they puke. We get to decide what, I, and they have to do. Dave, no, no. <laughs> okay, maybe. I feel. I feel like we're getting to the point where a genre reveal is imminent. But before, yeah. we <laughs> I get think we there, have to end this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to ask you both a question from the current one man show I'm doing, which okay. is based on Survivor, uh, right. which is. Those moments when everyone after a challenge returns back to camp and it's very clear that one person is about to be voted out. They they are the obvious choice. No matter how much editing is done, it's clear like this person's going home Mm -hmm. and they do go home. Mm -hmm. If Mm -hmm. you are that person in that situation, how do you convince people to save you? Hmm. I mean, it depends how many players are left. Uh, why am I being voted out? Like, what's the what's the logic? Okay, sure. But well, what's your sense generally? Okay, so if I'm getting voted out, it's not because I'm a physical threat, right? Like, 
it, that can't be it. There's no way. Mm-hmm. Um, so my Same. my tactic would probably be to put the heat on somebody else. Um, I would go up. I would. I would also, especially if it's later on, and I don't think they did this very often in these seasons. Is I would say like you can beat me in the final three. Like like there's no way. They're going to like, that's I, a great strategy. Um, Like keep me around, take it. Like, let's take out a threat. I think that's how I would have to go about it. It's like, let's take out mm-hmm. a threat. I think there's also so much like, you know, of knowing the dynamics uh, of, of figuring out who's done what, who's betrayed who, where there are cracks. But I, so I don't really, know, but I'm definitely not going to find an idol or try to convince somebody <laughs> to give me immunity. Like, I don't think that's my strategy. <laughs> my strategy would be to try to talk people out of it. And, and the, and the talk is centered around, I am a weakling. I'm weak. Walk yeah. over me, allow me to be a barnacle on your boat. Yes. Mm. Yeah. I would, I probably going in, I know that I would not tell people I'm a comedian because you don't want them and you don't want anybody to think that you're good at talking, right? You don't want them to Mm -hmm. think that you're good at final, final, uh, the final jury. Um, What would you say you are? What's your dog trainer? That's what I tell. So you just straight up. Yeah. That's what I tell cab drivers. That's smart. I love that. I'm a dog trainer. Um, you have dog trainer vibes. You're right. I feel it. Yeah, I think that's a really good. I think that's a really good one. I should figure out what I say because it's always a conversation stopper. Yeah. 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 If you're like a writer or whatever, it, people are just like, oh, wow. yeah. Now I actually say that I'm a writer, but I like teach college, so a lot of the time, I just like look at somebody's mm-hmm. face. It's so weird because like, well, I we're not gonna talk. Right. Yeah. Well, that's good to shut down to shut it down sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. I always tell but, people yeah, that I'm a Marxist understand. feminist literary critic. Is that weird? Oh, that's cool. That's that's a good one. <laughs> we all use that. I'll just tell people um, I, I ran for governor in Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a libertarian. Enough yeah. said. Oh, wait, Madeline, do you have a are you are you just kind of in a ditto situation to what Ariel said, or do you have other I think I would I would no, I, I think I would make people paranoid. Mm. I would like go to different people and I'd say, you know, like I know that you've been convinced to like cut me out, but it's because this person has this scheme that you don't know about. And because I'm about to get cut out, I have nothing to lose. I'm just gonna tell you what that scheme is. I'm gonna I go and I tell every person that. But then if we role play and I say, well, you're just saying that because you're, you're uh, desperate. What do you say to that? I'd say, um, I understand why you think that. (laughs) However, I'm coming to you because I like you more than the others. And I believe in you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And because I have not, because I know I'm not going to win, I want to make sure I I help the person who I want to win, mm. and that person. Interesting. Is you. I would say I wouldn't want Russell to win. That would be horrible. I'd rather, you know, blah 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 than Russell win. I would say me being desperate doesn't make it any less true. Mm. That's good. That's, that's yeah, good. That's good. I too. wish more yeah. people in Survivor used the used the phrase. I understand why you would think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's you're, you're that makes sense but <laughs> what would you do dave i mean it's it's uh, as usual with me it's a question that i don't 
have a, a set solid answer to. I th- I think it it would be, um, just go scorched earth. <laughs> I mean that's that's the tendency. Uh, I'm against you, Russell. Is I think okay. it would really be like my answer has to do with kind of things Ariel was hinting at, which is mm-hmm. that you have to be prepared for that way earlier in the game. You have to have really good relationships with people um, and be, and have built those things. And as Ariel kind of hinted at, be privy to a lot of information that, that that you can then start to weaponize and uh, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. use against people. Yeah. Blackmail (laughs) seems like the best way to go. Yeah. So is, are we at a genre reveal? I'm good. Yeah. Okay. I think we've all pre-planned our genre reveals. Does anyone have a desire to go first? Mine is the Hangry Games. That's good. Do you, I mean, I guess no, no explanation necessary. Yeah, I don't think I need to explain it. But I do think the hangriness is 80% of the appeal mm. of watching it. Just what happens when people get that hangry. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. That's the social experiment. <laughs> it's like the real world. Like when people stop being, st- stop being nice and start being hangry. <laughs> yeah. But a, a backup would be poop in the ocean. <laughs> like that would be floating poop. In okay. The ocean. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. Ariel, what about you? Uh, mine is dad is terrifying. <laughs> okay keep me say more uh like like russell rules with an iron fist i think he has sort of like a dad kind of energy he sees everybody as beneath him and he's very scary it's sort of it it's very like a little sort of like the shining when like this person yeah, I was gonna who's supposed to be like your protector or not even your protector but the person who is like s- supposed to be like in your team and your tribe then is just like terrifying and you're afraid of them and all of your actions are in response to the fear that he brings upon you Hmm. so it's about it's about russell not about jeff yes it is yeah i was wondering about the jeff part no i wasn't really thinking about jeff um is he like the fun uncle or he's not he doesn't have a patriarchal vibe yeah Yeah, unfun uncle (laughs) He has sort of like um like a like an older brother who is the favorite mm. even though you know he shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's always fascinating when people get really horny over Jeff. Mm. When people are like I always get so nervous when I t- talk to you Jeff and it's like that shit is really I I would be remiss if I didn't bring this piece of research that I did. Are you familiar Ariel with the dragons with a Z? No. P- at Ponderosa, Coach, Courtney and JT formed a band that recorded like five songs, filmed a music video called The Dragons with a Z. They got really serious about Amazing. it. Everybody getting kicked out wanted to just like 
you know, have the the embrace of like, what happened during the game? Are you okay? What happened to me? You know, and they could give information. But instead, in there's an oral history of it. And Courtney talks about how like people would get there and we were just like, we have a band. Here's the deal. Like be, be in or be out. And it's so <laughs> That's great. fun and fascinating. And that really made me like Courtney more. I love like Courtney so her, much. Her humor. One of my favorite but. anecdotes about Courtney also, I might be misremembering this, but I know after China, this for sure happened where, uh, you know, Courtney was living in New York and uh, and a couple of, of former contestants like came to like party with her and they were like, we cannot keep up. <laughs> with how hard Courtney parties. That is amazing. <laughs> yeah. The check. Um I well and I was to, to go back to the Jeff of it all. This is something I texted you Dave, but I, I these seasons, not season 20, but season 19 especially really made me miss a time where the contestants and the players were not obsessed with Survivor and had not necessarily mm-hmm. ever seen it. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, there are people who we're like, oh my god, it's Jeff Probst. And it's like, I don't really care. Like, yeah. Yeah. I can see how that would be really, really bad. It kind of like how Paul Hollywood, you know, right. People are just playing for the Paul Hollywood shape. Yeah. And I just find that really frustrating. I don't know. That's why I brought up the dragons thing too. I remember I was like, I'm glad you you cut me off because I was like, where am I going with this? Where am I going with this? But Courtney Dragons. in in that oral history <laughs> talks about there's a moment when Jeff comes and like visits the dragons and listens to their music and plays didgeridoo and then they all eat with jeff afterward and she talks about everyone being starstruck and everyone like kind of almost auditioning to have their moment with jeff and asking him how he got into hosting and she's like Hmm. and she says and it was just really awkward and i can just uh, really imagine courtney being there being like all you losers like trying to fucking impress this guy. It's so wild in the game when Jeff's saying things and you see her just be like, okay, guy, you know? She goes, okay, Jeffrey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which is like, damn, you're really saying that to the main guy. That's here. great. She does not care. I love Courtney. Stan Courtney forever. Actually, Jeff has to do with my genre reveal. So I will say oh. my genre is antisocial catharsis ritual. Uh, I've explained the the catharsis I get from it. The ritual part comes, to me, the genre of the show has a lot to do with transitions. Like a big Mm. fact, uh, the, one of the big things is if you watch it enough and if you like pay attention to any of the people who like freak out about it, I didn't even realize until I started doing online research a while ago that people are like very attached to very specific phrases. Like when during a challenge, Jeff says, that's how you do it on survivor or come on in guys becomes come on in because it's a new era of no sexism, you know, Mm. things like that. And he does, he has, or like, I got nothing for you at the end of a challenge for the people who didn't win. Mm -hmm. And all those things are so like ritualistic. And I think the show is so reflective of and shaping of culture. That is Mm -hmm. my genre, antisocial catharsis ritual. I like that. 
I like that because one of the things I did not bring up that I'm a little bit fascinated about is the writtenness of the show, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think ritual is a good way of describing the way in which it feels very scripted, right? Um, totally. And yeah, like there's like, obviously there's so many stories about how, you know, misattributing like survivor, you're like saying that survivor like, um, enabled uh, CBS to like go on during you know writer strikes and things like that and like, but it is very like anti writer. Mm. Um, but it feels very scripted to me, and I don't know. I'm a little bit obsessed with this because like Nathan Fielder won uh, a few awards for the rehearsal, like in the category of non scripted. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. like, that is. Clearly, a written yeah. show, right, right? right? And the fact that that happened like the year before this writer strike, when people are obviously like trying to raise consciousness about how this material is written and the written the the labor of writing, mm-hmm. um, it kind of yeah, I don't know. I, I find it pretty interesting. Well, in one of the many ways in which the show itself is a villain which is my kind of like last point is that it is very anti-labor. It is like the people who, you know, every person who's on the show talks about how exploited they are. They don't make any sort of Mm -hmm. residuals from these things. They, because of the way reality show Mm -hmm. contracts are set up, they do their thing and that's it. And the producers keep raking in this money from this show. It's yeah, it's totally fucked up well and they win a million dollars which has been the same amount for the last 23 years which right. of course <laughs> right. that's yeah. not worth the same amount anymore the all show- those graphs you see about like american productivity versus wages right the million survivor dollars on survivor is, great- is included in there <laughs> exactly it is it really is um you have that and then uh oh what was i gonna say i lost it never mind but yeah well, I think thank that's you a great for point. doing our show, Ariel. At any any time yeah, to talk about Survivor, on. I'm so happy. Such a blast. We're this will be out the 19th. So, what shows do you have coming up? What do you want people to know about? Um, I will be uh, February 9th. I'm going to be in Stanford, California. Uh, or like Palo Alto, but it's like on Stanford's campus, but it's open to the public. So come mm-hmm. to that. Okay. Uh, April 5th and 6th, I'll be in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, and as I've mentioned before, May 4th, I will be in Lafayette, Louisiana. Um, <laughs> so come come through. I'm, I add dates all the time. Follow me at Ariel underscore comedy on whatever it is that you follow people on because it's the same handle everywhere. Do you have a nice newsletter where you share I do. I have, of your life? I have a monthly newsletter. It's really just like one paragraph about my thoughts, some pictures and upcoming dates. And I try to throw in a couple of jokes. That's great. Awesome. Well, listen to. Thank you for schooling me on Survivor. Oh, man. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here, Madeline. I I also need to. We need to thank Madeline for being on my my podcast today, (laughs) my Survivor podcast. (laughs) Um, Yeah, listen to this is your afterlife, where my other podcast, my other real podcast, where I've talked to Ariel and Madeline. And Madeline, you had your uh, your work 
journal come out, right? You should you should plug that. I should plug yeah. I had a I edited a cluster of essays. It's like an issue with uh, former guest Joanna Isaacson um, for the post forty five contemporaries. Um, yeah, it's on anti work aesthetics. Well, yeah. Maybe some people want to read it. I don't know. <laughs> cool. Could sound like a lot of work, a lot of jokes to be made, or maybe not. A lot of jokes to be made in the essays, or? Oh, well, like, how much I worked on this oh, thing about anti-work. Yes. Oh, oh it sounds okay. like a lot of work to Got read it. this thing on anti-work. It's really good when a non-comedian is explaining comedy. <laughs> to no more. Comedians must be going in a good direction. <laughs> no, no self-deprecation. Sorry. We're cutting it there. No, no more <laughs> self-awareness necessary. Yeah, thank you all for listening. And uh, yeah, come back next week. <laughs>